um, as I as I begin this message, I, I just want to ask you guys this quick question: Have you have you have you ever found yourself contradicting yourself? At least some of you are honest. I um, I found myself the other day. Do I need to use this? Okay. I found myself the other day, I was, I was screaming at Lucas. I don't know what he was doing. Uh, and I was yelling at him, and I was saying, stop it. Well, Lucas is now a little defiant because he's two, right? And he's like, no. And so I'm yelling back at him, and I said, stop yelling at me. And the girls started laughing. And now I'm getting really irritated with the girls. And I yelled back at them. And I, and, and I was like, what are you laughing at? And they said, Dad, you're yelling at us to stop yelling. At which I turned to them and I said, hey, listen, do what I say and not what I do. So some of you have said this before clearly to your kids. We contradict ourselves a lot to the point that we don't even realize it sometimes, fear me. But I want to tell you when we contradict ourselves in terms of what Jesus says, it could be a really dangerous thing. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to two passages of Scripture today, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6 which is one of our favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, we even named our girls after this passage. And the second passage is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And, uh, and I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible, um, come and find me after the service. I would love to, to get you one. Over, over the last month, we've been working through a series that's called, What If It's True?, and we examined the crucifixion, and we, we looked at the evidence for the resurrection, and, and we even talked about redemption. And the whole premise behind the series uh, is this. You, you may not believe in any of these things, but what if it's true? I mean, what if he really did die on that cross? And what if he really did rise again? What if he is alive? What does that mean for me? And how am I living in light of that? This morning, I, I want to talk to you about something that has become really controversial that's found in our passage of Scripture this morning. And here's a little bit about the background. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples about his death that's about to come. And his friends, they're getting a little bit worried and they're getting a little bit concerned and anxious about all the things that he's saying. And so Jesus is here and he's comforting his friends in this section of Scripture. And this is what he says, John 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And now in verse 5, our friend Thomas, he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, what are you talking about? I mean, how do we know the way? And Jesus says to him, he says, he says this, he says, I am the way. And in the Greek, it's I am the way and I am Aletheia. I am the truth and I am Zoe. I am the life or life eternal. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And I want to read you Acts 4.12. Peter speaking after the day of Pentecost, and he says, There is no other name. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. You know, I told you that we're going to talk about something a little controversial, but the controversy isn't in what Scripture actually says. And the controversy, uh, it has nothing to do with what Jesus has to say. I mean, Scripture is very clear on this issue, and, and Jesus is clear, and his disciples are clear, but the controversy has to do more with our, what our culture has to say today. And so this morning, I want to remind you that Jesus is the only way. And maybe you don't believe that, and maybe you're unsure about that, and maybe you have questions about that statement, but at the end of the day, what if it's true? Now, I get it that the word only is really difficult for a lot of people. I get it. It's difficult for those who may not believe. It's even difficult for those who believe and who are in this room today. Because in the name of tolerance, our culture wants you to think that all religions are the same. Right? In the name of tolerance, our culture wants you to think that there are so many different ways to get to God, not just one way. And if you don't believe that, then you're intolerant, and actually you're a hater if you don't believe that. And I was doing a little bit of research over these last couple of days, and I found out that there is a, a statistic that says that 50 to 70% of American Christians believe there are many different ways of getting to heaven or finding God. That is a scary statistic to me. And there's a major problem in this notion. There's a major problem with this line of thinking, and it's the problem of the law of non-contradiction. Now, this is just me looking at this outside of Scripture for a second, okay? The law of non-contradiction says this, two statements that contradict themselves both cannot be true. In other words, A cannot equal not A. This took me a long time to understand this because I'm not very smart, okay? The, uh, the other day, we were, at, uh, we were at the men's retreat. It was a great men's retreat. And I walked in. I think I was in the dining room or something. I walked into Eddie. Eddie was eating an apple. And I don't know what, people were joking around, and he said, Hey, guys, 
leave me alone and let me eat my banana. I mean, my apple. And the reason why that's funny is A cannot equal not A, right? So I have an apple, and the apple can only equal another apple. But it makes no sense if I call this a banana. And it makes no sense if I take this banana and I call this an apple. All of you would disagree with me. I mean, these two things are so different, right? I mean, take a look at the shape. I wish Eddie was here. I don't know why he's not here. The shape of this is so different than an apple. This cannot be an apple. And so this morning I have uh, a couple of slides to help illustrate my point a little bit. So can you go to the next slide really quickly? There we go. So... Keep right, but there's a left turn arrow on the sign. Let's go to the next slide. I don't know what this means. I feel like I see this in Massachusetts. Right lane must right left. Right lane must right left, and that makes no sense to any of us. Let's go to the next slide. The library is now selling free coffee for one dollar. Let's go to the next slide. Sign not in use. How is that possible? I don't know. But the sign is not in use. Let's go to the next slide. Phone out of service? Give us a call from Pacific Bell. Let's go to the next slide. This is great. To the left, you have Brentwood chipping something. You have the industrial states. And to the left, you also have the secret nuclear bunker. Let's go to the next slide. I love this. So this is an ad from KFC. McDonald's would never do this, John, I'm telling you. Here's an ad from KFC. Complete your meal with a mega jug of Pepsi for only $2.99. And KFC will donate $1 to JDRF. Help us find a cure. Not a small, not a medium, not a large, but a mega size of Pepsi will help go towards the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Let's go to the next slide. My favorite. Again, I feel like I've seen this in Boston. Do not enter, enter only. A cannot equal not A, which means you can't have always lead to God and have one of those ways saying that Jesus is the only way. It's like saying do not enter, enter only. It goes against the law of non-contradiction. Therefore, not every way can lead to God. If you say that all ways lead to God, but one of those ways says it's only one way, the entire argument collapses, and it can't be true. 
And so there are people who say, listen, Christianity is exclusive, and that's why, that's why I don't believe in Christ. And if that's you, I want you to know that you've been misinformed because every religion is exclusive. Right? Let's take Hinduism for a second. Hindus have two major beliefs, the law of karma and the belief in reincarnation. And therefore, Hinduism is not an inclusive faith because their claims are exclusive. Islam rejects every contradicting worldview, and Islam, by virtue of rejecting Christ's divinity, excludes Christianity, and it has so many other exclusive claims. Buddhism, there is no such thing as sin in Buddhism, which means that it excludes every religion that believes in sin. Let's talk about agnostics for a second. The person who is an agnostic, believes that no one can know. No one can know if there's a God. But that's an exclusive claim. And the atheist, the atheist believes that there is no God, and that is also exclusive. You see, at the heart of every belief is this uncompromising commitment to a way of defining who God is and a way of defining who God isn't. In other words, every religion at the core has very exclusive claims. So don't say that Christianity is exclusive. In fact, I believe that it's part of the plan of the enemy to get people to not come to Christ. Because Christianity is actually the most inclusive of any religion in the world. And I don't know about you, I hate, I hate calling this a religion because you know what religion is? Religion is, is our attempt or man's attempt at trying to get to God. But Jesus, right, our Jesus, the one that we've been singing about, the one that we've been worship, worshiping, our Jesus is God's attempt to come to man. And I want you to know this morning that following Jesus is the least complicated, and it is the most inclusive of every, any religion that's out there. Because in Christianity, you don't have to do anything. You just have to receive someone. In every other belief system, there's this code that has to be followed, and things that you need to do to earn whatever your destiny is going to be. But when it comes to following Jesus, it's not dependent on what you do. It's dependent on if you are going to receive someone who already did everything for you. And this is why it's inclusive. All throughout Scripture, you see these words, whoever. I love that word, whoever right? Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you have a little bit of melanin or a whole lot of melanin, whether you're from one country or another, it doesn't matter how old, how young you are, it doesn't matter what your story is, what your background is, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this morning, I want to give you three reasons why we can trust in Jesus being the only way, and then we'll close in prayer this morning. Three reasons why when Jesus says he's the only way, we ought to believe him and take him at his word. 
The first thing that sets Jesus apart from every other religious leader is his perfection. His perfection. There's no other religious leader who lived the way that Jesus lived. You know, some of the other religious leaders, they even admit that they had sinful lives, right? Some of them were adulterers. Some of them were rapists. I mean, some of them were polygamists. Some of them were womanizers. Some of them were murderers. Others made countless prophecies, and none of them ever came about. But Jesus is the only religious leader who even claimed to be equal to God. His own followers described him as a man without sin, and even the man who sentenced him to be crucified, right, Pilate himself, Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. His own enemy says, this man is guiltless. And so because Jesus lived this perfect and sinful life, it automatically sets him apart from every other religious leader who has ever lived. The second reason why we can trust in the words of Jesus when he says he's the only way is his power, right? No other religious leader did what Jesus did. I mean, just think about all of the miracles that Jesus did for a second. There he was on a boat with his friends, and there's this massive storm, and the waves were high, and the storm was big, and he's sleeping. And, and these guys are on the boat all the time. I mean, they know what the winds are like and what, what the waves are like. And they're saying, Jesus, we're going to die. What are you doing? And at the sound of his voice, the winds and the waves obey it. And there he was seen later on walking on water. And there he was feeding over 5,000 people. And I love that story. When, uh, when I was in my, my Greek class, my Greek professor was talking about that story. And, you know, you would think that, well, sure, you can feed some people just by dividing what was there and giving to people. But 5,000 people with two fish, five loaves, and there were leftovers? In Greek, what it says was that as he was praying over the, the bread and the fish, it says, from out of his hands were coming fish and loaves. From out of his hands. I mean, that's so weird. I mean, you kind of, I remember sitting in class, and all I could picture was Spider-Man just, and, hey, you need some fish back there? And, 12 baskets later, I mean, miracle of miracles, what he was able to do. And then he was seen healing the blind. He raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, these are miracles that no other religious leader from the beginning of time has ever done. And then the greatest miracle of all is something that we talked about uh, last month where Jesus was raised from the dead three days after he was crucified. And then what he does is he hangs out with 500 people just to prove that this isn't a rumor. 500 people. One or two people might be a rumor. 10 or 12 people might be a rumor. But there he was with 500 people. Every other religious leader, they died. And they're still dead. And here is the thing 
The Bible isn't the only record of this. There are other history and secular books that also record the amazing miracle of Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus says that he's the only way we can trust his words, and the third reason why are the prophecies that he fulfilled. No other religious leader fulfilled prophecy. And Jesus fulfilled prophecies that were written hundreds of years before his birth. There were prophecies written about him being born of a virgin. Prophecies written about him, prophecies written about the exact date for when he would be crucified and how he would die. And there were prophecies surrounding his life and his death. The odds of one person fulfilling eight prophecies written about him in one lifetime is one times 10 to the power of 28. I don't know what that number is because I don't know what number comes after trillion. It's like it's a one in 10 jabillion odds that someone would fulfill eight prophecies about them. And Jesus fulfills over 300. Over 300 prophecies written in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfills with perfect accuracy and perfect precision. This is the Jesus that we serve. And so I want to tell you today, for the Christ follower who says that there is another way, other than Jesus, what you're saying is that the Bible is false. And if you're a Christ follower here, and you're saying that there's another way other than Jesus, more harshly, you're saying that Jesus is a liar. And I'm wondering if that's why he has to clarify himself further by saying, I am the truth. I mean, the scripture is clear, and the disciples were clear. Jesus himself was clear when he says, I am the way. Not a way, not one of the ways, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And then he clarifies this some more, and he says, make no mistake, he says, no one. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so this morning, I want to encourage you today, don't get hung up on the fact that there is only one way. Get excited that there is a way. There is a way. And get excited that God has revealed his way to you. And get excited that the way is Jesus. And thank God it isn't some cruel or angry or vindictive person. Thank God that the way doesn't include working off your mistakes. Thank God that the way is a loving and compassionate Jesus. Thank God that the way is in knowing who Jesus is. And this morning, I want to thank God for his message. Thank God for that message that whoever, 
whoever will call on the name of the Lord, whoever, they will be saved. I want to close with this this morning, and prayer team, you can make your way forward. Last thing that I want to tell you this morning is because we can trust in Jesus, we can trust in his message. No other religious leader taught the way that Jesus taught. See, see, Jesus is the only one who came and provided an actual solution to the problem of sin. With every other leader, you have to do, you have to obey, you have to work and work and work. And you have to live under some type of moral code in order to earn God's favor or in order to earn God's forgiveness. I mean, this puts you in this state of uncertainty because you never really know if you've ever done enough. How are you ever going to know? I mean, how can you know if you've done enough to earn God's forgiveness? But on the other hand, here's Jesus. And he has this clear message. You and I, we've made mistakes. All of us, we've all sinned. And even on your best day, you could never do enough good to cancel out all the wrong that you've done in the past. Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The message of Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. And I'm going to take your mistakes and I'm going to take your burdens and your anxieties and your problems and your fears and your worries and I'm going to take your failures and I'm going to take your sins and I'll wash you and I'll cleanse you with my precious blood and all I ask you to do in return is believe in me. And, you know, this word believe in the Bible is more than just agreeing in your mind that something might be true. It's a word that actually means trust. Trust. That we believe so strongly in God that we're willing to commit our lives to Him and live the way that He wants us to live. That's what He's asking us to do. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. Commit our lives to Him and live the way He wants us to live. He, he wants to, us to live a life that is full. It says, if you come to me, I am the life. I can give you a full life. A life that is full of zeal for Jesus. A life that is filled with the truth a life that points other people to the way. That's what he offers. I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one can come to the Father. Nobody. Except through me. Jesus is who he says he is because of his perfection. And because of his power. And because he was able to fulfill over 300 prophecies about himself. And if you work those odds, there's no denying who he is.
which means when he says something, you can count on it. And when he says something, you can count that what he says is accurate. And you can count on it to be true. Let's pray together this morning. There are some people here this morning who you are searching. I mean, you're searching for meaning in your life. You're searching for purpose in your life. And maybe you're just, you're searching for some direction in your life. And I encourage you this morning, would you go to Jesus with that? Because he says, I am the way. He's got a good plan for you, a good purpose for you. You don't have to search in the dark. He can lead you by the hand. There are some people here this morning, and you're searching for truth. Trying to figure this whole thing out. I mean, you're just searching for truth. And Jesus says, hey, if you would just, just come to me, I am the truth. There's some other people here this morning who maybe you're living a destructive life, whatever it may be, and maybe it's tearing your family apart. Jesus says, I'm the life. You don't have to do the things that you're doing anymore if you just come to me. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. And I am the life. And this morning, if you want to ask this Jesus into your heart and into your life, would you pray this prayer this morning? You don't have to repeat after me, but you can just say this in your heart. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and there's nothing that I can do to save myself. I confess to you complete, completely, God, would you forgive my sins? At this moment on, I put my full trust in you alone. I believe that you bore my sin when you died on that cross. I believe that you rose again and that you live again. Lord Jesus, come and live in my heart. And I want to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.